Greetings, everyone. I'm Rena Sackett, Director of Member Relations and the ASHP Staff Liaison to the Section of Inpatient Care Practitioners here at ASHP. Thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature focusing on medication safety as a part of the exceptional programming from the 2022 ASHP Major Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, leadership advice, and medication safety best practices. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Mallory Byros, and I'm the Medication Safety Officer at Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you to Kim for not making me get up on stage and risk breaking my other leg. Um, today I'm going to talk about uh, medication safety rounding, utilizing our Kanban strategies and a, a detailed approach. On the next slide, our objective is to really just be able to describe this process of using walk rounds to approach data collection and like my colleagues have just mentioned, really getting out there on the divisions and, and meeting those frontline staff. So this really started on the next slide. Um, when I took over this role, I was previously in the PICU for about 10 years and selfishly wanted to see what was else, else was out there in the hospital, what happened outside of the four walls of the PICU. Um, and so I partnered with a quality improvement specialist who is also fairly new to the organization and a pharmacist by training. And we kind of buddied up to say, hey, we're not the bad guys. Just because it says officer in my title, I don't have a badge and we're not here to police you, but we want to get information from you. Um, so we literally created a schedule to do walk rounds on our inpatient divisions to just connect, see what was going on, ask questions, uh, you know, talk to people who really were in the thick of it day after day. And so we have about eight inpatient divisions that we looked at. We um, do it once a week. We have it scheduled um, for about an hour. Sometimes it takes that long, sometimes it doesn't. It depends how many divisions we can get to. We really try to get to about two divisions um, in each week so that uh, we can get to each division about once a month. And really, we know from HPI there are recommendations for rounding to influence, but again, selfishly, being able to just talk to not only nursing leadership, nursing educators on the division, but really that frontline staff and hearing directly from them, from people who may not know the other avenues to get their concerns heard or maybe don't want to express it to their managers but feel more comfortable talking to outside people. Um, and so how do we do this? And, and really we took a kind of standardized approach for all of our hospital acquired conditions in our organization utilizing these Kanban cards or this visual card that I'll, I'll show you here in a minute um, with each card representing a task in a larger project. So talking about things like CAUDIs and CLABSIs, unplanned extubation. Um, so we revamped our, our K card for medication safety this year and then took it out to the divisions. Um, and these are actual physical cards that are kept on our divisions in those old um, like timekeeper cards on the wall that you you know you can uh, envision and so once they're completed once we've done them we move them from the front to the back um, and then we document this engagement or this encounter in an online data collection tool so on the next slide, you can see what this looks like. Um, so it's a little bit small, but it really highlights everything in our, our medication safety playbook. Um, so we ask questions, typically we do this during a med pass or if a, a pump programming, where we're looking to say, are you utilizing guardrails? Are you in the appropriate profile? Is your medical record number programmed? Um, we're a pediatric institution, so we change weights a lot, right? So we wanna make sure that weight matches your med calc weight. Make sure the concentration's correct. Your dose is what's currently running. Um, we look at ID bands, uh, making sure it's on the patient, there aren't extra in the room. Are you barcode scanning when you're administering this medication? And then we do take opportunity to ask questions about our high alert independent double check process, just making sure people can explain it to us, they understand it, they know where to find guidance on it. 
Um, and this can be done peer to peer, um, but we have found in, in some of our meetings and, and talking with people, um, people are busy, right? There's a lot going on. We know um, flu and RSV is just wild. So being able to come in and kind of give that extra help, that support shows that um, we're engaged in really hearing what the issues are and, and getting that from the frontline staff. Um, so our goal is 100% compliance on these cards. Um, so we have a um, dry erase marker that we're writing down kind of the answers and then we take that back to put in our data collection tool. Uh, we talk about what went well. You know, do we have any good catches? Do we find anything out, you know, that's happening on one division that's likely happening on the other divisions as well? And then we look at what barriers were met. Did we catch any errors? Do you have any BCMA issues? And we took this opportunity to do things like put up a poster of who do I contact if I can't find something in the Alaris pump? Who do I, how do I get in touch with pharmacy to say, hey, this med doesn't scan? We created a, a distribution list to email. Um, and then those safety concerns can be brought up, you know, in one division and we'll take it to another. Um, so we collate this data um, and we take it back to our medication safety subcommittee meeting to show what we've learned from our other uh, colleagues on the different divisions. So on the next slide, um, the key takeaway is really this in-person rounding, like we said, showing your face, knowing who you are and who your key stakeholders are, can really help uh, get those safety concerns heard from our frontline staff. Using a standardized approach, make sure we get all the details we need, and then sharing those lessons learned um, can really help us engage. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Wendy C. I'm the Medication Safety Officer at City of Hope. And today, we're going to talk about how one word can improve your culture of safety. And that one word is engagement. So let's go ahead and talk about a few strategies for how to engage your staff in your safety culture. Now, one of the first things that we did was to set a department goal. And we wanted this goal to be specific, measurable and attainable. So we settled on increasing the number of pharmacy medication event reports and safe catches. Now you can see from this graph that at baseline, we only had two pharmacy reports per month. So to energize our staff, we issued a reporting challenge and we called it the 10-10-10. So the challenge for our staff was to increase reporting to 10 times baseline. So that's our first 10. But we also wanted to have at least 10 individual reporters a month, so that was our second 10. And finally, all of our reporters were entered into a monthly raffle for an opportunity to win $10 gift cards, so that was our third 10. So hence, we called this the 10-10-10 reporting challenge. Dashboards are another great way to engage your staff because they keep your safety goals visible. So we use these colored speedometers so that our staff can easily track our progress at a glance. Reporting incentives. So I already talked about how we raffle off gift cards for our reporters. But to make this more exciting, we have a live virtual spin of a wheel of reporters' names at our monthly staff meetings. We also had a bonus raffle with a mystery prize uh, that was only triggered if we were able to achieve our department goals after the first three months of our challenge. So staff really rallied around this, they got into it, and we were able to raffle off an Amazon Fire Stick. The picture that you see here is our recognition board. Every month we write our reporters' names on a fish and we clip it to our safety net. And last but certainly not least, everyone's favorite incentive is food because as we all know, pharmacy staff really love to eat. Pulse surveys are another creative way to get your staff engaged and also to get some informal and quick feedback from them. 
So these are single question polls that the staff can access by a QR code that we email out or sometimes post during meetings. You can design your poll surveys any way you want. So this is a traditional Likert scale question and a graph response. But I also like these open-ended questions where staff can give you some very simple responses that you can use to generate word clouds, like the one shown. So these word clouds can be really fun when you use them real time in a meeting or during a talk. You can also string a few short questions together to create short safety surveys. Uh, we did this for our nursing team so that they can use a QR code in order to provide us feedback about smart pump library update requests that they would like. Another way to engage frontline staff is with safety task forces. These can be within the pharmacy department or they can be multidisciplinary. They can have a broad scope or be very focused like a paralytics team. The key, however you choose to do this, is to make sure that you are building that guiding coalition of support for your safety movement. And don't forget to inject a little bit of fun with team building activities. This is our team riding the safety wave at our nursing golf cart parade. So finally, the last thing I want to talk about is celebrating Patient Safety Week. This is a new thing that we did this last year. We created it like a mini pharmacy week with food, uh, with daily emails, flyers, and giveaways where staff could earn more raffle entries by participating in a variety of safety games. So in conclusion, employing a variety of creative approaches to engage staff in safety activities can help to strengthen your organization's safety culture. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Taylor Mancuso. I'm a medication safety pharmacist at Frater in the Medical College of Wisconsin. And today I will be presenting Everything is Going According to Plan, Developing and Distributing a Medication Safety Plan. Objective for today, I'd like for everyone to walk away and be able to describe the strategies for development and distribution of a comprehensive medication safety plan. So let's break down a medication safety plan a little bit more. Why is it so important? Because planning long-term medication safety goals is essential for your organization's success. How exactly can we structure a medication safety plan? In theory, for each long-term medication safety goal within your organization, you should outline the boundaries, so the scope of each goal, the advantages of each goal, any barriers you may encounter, and the initiatives for how you're going to actually accomplish each goal. Who, in theory, should develop your medication safety plan? Typically, it falls um, within the responsibilities and scope of your medication safety leader. Those that review it are often within a multidisciplinary team. Very often your medication safety committees um, already are meeting, so it would be great to review this plan within that structure. And those that react to it are your frontline staff. Speaking of frontline staff, they can provide feedback on your initiatives, share impact on the workflows, and ultimately determine feasibility of your medication safety plan because they have such an intimate knowledge of said workflows. Overall, by sharing your medication safety plan and your progress, you can promote involvement and transparency around what your medication safety team is working on. And overall, including your frontline staff can improve your possibility of success. 
So I mentioned how important it is to reach your stakeholders, such as your frontline staff, but how exactly can we do that? So I'm gonna highlight a couple of distribution strategies that I've used at Freightert, and really it's focused on both sharing and providing updates on the medication safety plan. So for sharing, you could consider using an intranet posting. I personally use a medication safety focus page that has both internal and external resources, our medication safety scorecard, and our medication safety plan for the year right at the top. If you don't have a medication safety focus page, I would recommend just picking a highly utilized page. Once you have your plan, you can link it to that page and refresh it on at least an annual basis. And what's really nice is once you have that linked to an internet posting, you can share that within your communications and presentations. It's really nice from an ease of sharing perspective. No one really wants to go to email jail if you're emailing out your medication safety plan over and over again. Next up, um, we have a potential strategy related to updating on your medication safety plan. Um, we do this through a quarterly stoplight report, so we provide updates on initiatives in three different categories, already completed, in progress, or not feasible right now. Um, you can post that on the same page as your medication safety plan and share that via email with your frontline staff, providing a link to that page and resources and reminding your staff that you have all of these resources readily available as well. Another step within updating includes initiative progress reports. Um, so we do this on a quarterly basis to our medication safety committee structure, and we go ahead and outline the successes, challenges, and areas where support is needed for each initiative. Really big highlight on areas where support is needed. That can be incredibly helpful within your medication safety committee structure. And then we can also provide those materials, make sure that you're posting them in a commonly utilized workspace or sharing those links via email with your medication safety committee structure so that way they can distribute to their frontline staff even further. So key takeaways from my presentation today, the development and distribution of a medication safety plan is essential to an organization. My second takeaway is that distribution and feedback from frontline staff is vital to the success of a medication safety plan. And intranet posting, quarterly stoplight reports, and initiative progress reports within the medication safety committee structure are all potential distribution strategies for your medication safety plan. Thank you all so much for your time today. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jolie Odney. I'm the Medication Safety Manager at Oshner Medical Center down in New Orleans. Today, I have the pleasure of joining you guys to describe how we integrated pharmacists into the medication administration process and built modular care teams during a severe nursing shortage. As I'm sure many of you can attest, there were some unique challenges introduced by COVID-19 over the past couple of years, many of which are not unique just to Oshner. Healthcare systems across the country were stretched just to maintain optimal patient care. Many leaders were pulled back into frontline positions, non-clinical staff pulled back to the bedside, or even outpatient providers pulled for inpatient critical units like ICUs and EDs. I think we can agree that all levels of healthcare providers were asked to perform at the top of their license and or leaders were challenged to create innovative and efficient workflows to optimize the existing staff that we had. It's no secret that pharmacist, nursing, provider, and other allied health burnout led to what we are still dealing with now, quoted as the great resignation. It became 
uniquely important to leverage each profession's strengths and capabilities to form a collaborative interprofessional solution to this. At Ochsner Health, while this, uh, while this problem isn't unique to us, our nursing teams and our pharmacy technicians were actually most impacted by this great resignation. And so you're probably asking yourself, why pharmacists? Why integrate us further into the medication administration process? Well, our team did Gemba walks or we did shadow shifts with our nursing colleagues. And on the bar graph to your left, you can see that up to 25 to 30% of a nurse's shift was spent on medication-related activities. When our C-suite got a hold of this data, they said, if pharmacists can be integrated into the medication administration workflow, that means we might be able to use 30% fewer agency nurses. And the dollar signs started making sense. So we did a couple more Gemba walks and we figured out what time of day those pharmacists would be most useful. Obviously, morning med pass won that race. Now, before we jumped into the inpatient setting, I was tasked with piloting this workflow in our outpatient COVID infusion clinics. Here we said pharmacists can, under the PrEP uh, Act, can administer monoclonal antibodies for COVID positive patients. We used this skill set, training up our pharmacists on how to use smart infusion pumps, how to administer IV medications after a nurse or a paramedic um, placed a line for a patient. And it became a beautiful modular workflow where pharmacists were doing triage and intake education for a patient in real time while administering their medications. We saw appropriate use criteria at work. Of course, we could also ebb and flow with patient volumes. So we quickly transitioned into the inpatient setting, focusing on five areas of expertise for pharmacists. We now had a skill set to administer medications, and we partnered with our state board of pharmacy to expand our scope of practice outside of just monoclonal antibody treatment. Of course, we could provide real-time first dose and discharge education, specializing in transition of care and participating in codes. So this hybrid model required a unique training scenario where we first trained up these pharmacists to be an operations uh, specialist. We tacked on medication administration techniques and then rounded out their clinical review skill set. From this implementation in the inpatient setting, we have gotten nursing ratios up to one to seven or one to six in step down and med surge units respectively. Pharmacists are administering up to 120 medications per day on top of their clinical and transitions of care activities. And patient and staff satisfaction have soared. Our safety outcomes speak for themselves. Of course, pharmacists have an eye for detail, so we saw 100% compliance with patient medication and smart pump use, as well as a decrease in late medications. So our key takeaways were that an innovative interprofessional care model was able to provide efficacy and safety in both the outpatient and inpatient setting. Of course, we had to collaborate with our state board of pharmacy in alignment with ASHP's practice advancement initiatives, but we also had very intentional partnerships with nursing leadership, worked hard to get staff buy-in on the front end, and ultimately enhanced medication safety quality indicators. Thank you.
Good afternoon and welcome. My name is uh, Carrie Taggart. I am a critical care clinical pharmacist at Avera McKinnon Hospital and University Health Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, as well as an assistant professor of pharmacy practice at South Dakota State University. Um, so as you can imagine with my role, I take on a lot of residents and resident projects. So this actually started as a resident project approximately three years ago. Um, and so I wanted to describe for you a process that we have in place that we have found a lot of value in. So value in verbalizing, identifying areas of inter intervention during multidisciplinary rounds by verbalizing current medication orders. My objective is to describe how verbalizing a patient's active medication orders can prompt further discussion amongst members of a multidisciplinary team. Um, so I took a little bit different approach to this presentation and wanted to actually walk through how we go about this process on our multi multidisciplinary team rounds. So at one point during the multidisciplinary team rounds, we are at the patient bedside and the physician or the provider will um, say, okay, pharmacy team, please read us the active medication orders. Um, so at that time, either myself, one of my PGY2, PGY1, or pharmacy students would take the opportunity to go through the EMR and read the active medication orders. So for this patient, um, we have acetaminophen 650 by rectum every six hours as needed for pain or fever. We have albuterol ipratropium, one neb every four hours scheduled. We have cefepime two grams IV every eight hours. We have anoxaparin 40 milligrams sub-Q daily. We have Senna, two tablets every 12 hours scheduled, and Propofol, 50 micrograms per kilo per minute as an IV continuous infusion. So while we're reading those medications, the hope is that the multidisciplinary team is thinking through those medications and deciding what questions they have regarding those active medication orders. So for example, when I think about a patient who is getting rectal um, acetaminophen, I have a couple of questions. Does this patient have enteral access? Do we have to be using a suppository or could we switch the route of this medication? Also, how often is this medication being used? Are we masking a fever that might be a sign of an, um, an underlying infection or a bigger problem for our patient? As far as the nebulizer, are we waking the patient up at night to give this medication? And does the patient even still have symptoms that require this frequency of administration? Um, as far as the cefepime, what day of therapy is this? Do we have any positive culture results? And is it dosed appropriately for the patient's current renal function? As far as the anoxaparin, is this dose appropriate for patient's current renal function, BMI, and indication? As far as the Senna, what was the patient, when was the patient's last bowel movement? Do we need to be more or less aggressive with the dosing of this medication? And finally, the propofol. What is the patient's sedation score? What is our RAS? What are we targeting? What additional pain medication sedatives do we have that this patient might be receiving? And have we checked a triglyceride level for this patient? So as I said, this was a resident project that started approximately three years ago, and we have found um, quite a bit of benefit in providing this service during our multidisciplinary team rounds. Um, the first thing we've seen is patient safety. So as I mentioned, we often bring up things such as, could we switch a route of a medication? Do we need this medication anymore? Is it unnecessary? And have we implemented the appropriate monitoring of this medication? We've also seen improved interdisciplinary communication. Um, so it provides a spot within the multidisciplinary rounds for, pharmacy to, for my pharmacy residents to feel comfortable bringing up interventions. Um, it also pro provides an opportunity for the other members of the multidisciplinary team to provide their recommendations. 
So for example, those nebulized medications, our respiratory therapists feel comfortable being able to bring up what they are thinking regarding that medication. Also provides more structure to our multidisciplinary rounds. I feel that it improves patient care um, because all of our multidisciplinary team members are in the same location discussing this patient um, very thoroughly. And in addition, it provides a cost savings to the patient. So key takeaways is that reading the active medication order gives the multidisciplinary team an opportunity to pause and reflect on current medication therapies. Reading the active medication orders does not add a significant amount of time to rounds. In addition to patient safety, reading the active medication orders can also improve interdisciplinary communication, add structure to rounds, improve patient care, and be a cost savings to the patient and the institution. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2022 ASHP Midget.